people, what does a youth turkey hunt have to do with leadership? Well, the way we do it, everything, everything has to do with the decisions that they make, how they conduct themselves, you know, the story that that tells and how we want to influence, you know, those decisions within their realm. This is Skip Perrin from the marketing program at Suffolk University in Boston. Welcome to another edition of the Sawyer Business School Amplification Avenue podcast, where we talk about the amplifying properties of sports, as well as the convergence of sports business, the media, and society. I am incredibly honored to talk to today's guest, uh, former New England Patriots left tackle, Matt Light, uh, not because I am a a Patriots fan, um, but I am. And I grew up rooting for the Patriots back when the Patriots, as I say to my students, they weren't one of the worst teams in all of football. They were worst, one of the worst franchises in all of sports. And Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and guys like Matt Light really changed the entire uh, history of that organization. So I give you a lot of credit for that, Matt. But no surprise on this podcast, we're going to talk very little, if any, football. I might squeeze a question at the end. Uh, In this interview, we're going to talk with uh, Matt about his post-work career with kids, the power of his platform as a professional athlete or a former professional athlete and a professional athlete, his life as a sportsman, and what he teaches others about responsible uh, gun ownership. Matt, welcome to the Amplification Avenue podcast. Hey, Skip. Thank you. uh, It's good to be on and uh, to be heard, I guess, and... uh, Listen, you, you don't have to be a, a sports fan to talk to me. I, actually, I, I welcome opportunities to talk about things outside of the sports realm, even though it's still fun to talk sports every now and then. Oh, it's always good to talk about sports, but as, a, uh, as someone who worked in the industry for uh, close to 20 years, the business side always fascinated me. And I do believe strongly, that's why I call it the Amplification Avenue podcast, that sports has amplifying properties. You, as, a, as an athlete, have uh, an amazing platform that others didn't have before you. Um, and regardless of where you come from, what your issues are, you can use it. And we should respect that. Uh, not everybody's going to agree on every issue, for sure. Uh, but I want to talk to you about the things that, you, um, that are important to you. Because I know you're a lifelong sportsman. You're a hunter. Um, assuming that you are a gun owner and just for perspective, um, I, I have not owned a gun. Um, I actually have a firearms identification card that I've filled out and tried to bring to my local police station at least once, but the licensing officer wasn't there. So it is something that I've considered, but so just so that we have some perspective, but that's sort of what I want to talk to you about, Matt, about your lifelong passion for um, you know sportsmanship. But in any case, um, tell us what Uh, what you're doing post-career. Tell us about the Light Foundation, its mission, and what you and your wife Susie and your team does. Well, you know, and you hit it on the head, team. It's it's fun to have a sports background, and I agree that sports can amplify many things in your life. They can amplify the good things. They can also amplify the things that maybe you're not as proud of. Um, There's a lot of eyes, right? And when you're in the public, you know, view, uh, you have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, good and bad will be brought to light in a, and, and amplified uh, to follow this uh, podcast. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's a good thing for many, many people. And I can tell you that I've benefited greatly as an individual um, from a business perspective and for sure our nonprofit, right? You know, look, when, when I talk about the Light Foundation, you know, there's not a moment that I forget when it comes to, you know, the things that we do, who we do them with, the kids that we serve, the people that I've been able to meet. I mean, it's the coolest network on earth, not taking anything mm-hmm. away from former teammates of mine, but it's, it's beyond rewarding. And it's been an honor to be a part of the things that we do. And our focus is pretty straightforward. It's simple yet it's very nuanced and can be complicated at times and that's just, we want to work alongside young people, right? And we do it through the Light Foundation's Leadership Academy. And while that's a generic way to describe the work we do, it's also very broad-based in the sense that 
every day we have an opportunity as individuals to wake up and try to move the needle in the right direction, i.e. we have an opportunity to lead every single day. And mm -hmm. so when you're working with young people and the focus is on leadership, it allows you to get into many different areas. And so for the Light Foundation, you know, look, we're over 20 years working with kids uh, through a variety of different programs that we've created from scratch or that we partner with other organizations on. And the idea is just walk alongside young people and introduce them to people who do things the right way and show them you know, the, the different tricks, so to speak, the, the different um, ways that you can attack life in a very productive, efficient way, i.e. again, lead. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's a passion of mine. Um, I was fortunate to grow up in, in a household where my parents, you know, instilled a lot of core values in me, you know, whether it's my faith, um, whether it's how I kind of look at life, uh, learn how to be grateful, learn how mm -hmm. to be appreciative, you know, those are the kind of things that we work with young kids on. And it's it's kids that range from, you know, really, honestly, kindergarten all the way through graduating seniors and in a bunch of different disciplines. And, uh, you know, seemingly on paper, you could say, well, what does a youth turkey hunt have to do with leadership? Yeah. Well, the way we do it, everything, everything has to do with the decisions that they make, how they conduct themselves you know, the story that that tells and how we want to influence, you know, those decisions within their realm. So let's dig a little deeper into that. And I do want to ask you about a couple events in a second. And just so I don't forget, if you want to learn more about what Matt does, um, mattlight72.com, I believe is the URL. So that's mattlight, the number 72.com. Hope they have that right. And I'll try to get that in again at the end. Um, so let's look a little bit deeper. You mentioned the turkey shoot. Um, but I want to ask it in the context of this, because, you know, I've looked this up on your website. Uh, can you talk about the real pledge, which calls for responsible, ethical, accountable leadership? And how does that flow into the event that you just talked about, uh, the turkey shoot? Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad you asked about that. You know, that pledge is important for us. You know, when we started out, um, you know, it, like any organization, you learn a lot about what you're doing, how you do it, the people you do it with, the type of impact that you want to make. You get feedback from the kids. It's no different than playing a sport of football, right? We evaluate everything. We film everything. You know, nothing's left to chance. We try to improve on everything. Even if it was good, it's not good enough. We want to make it great. And what we learned in working with kids and the programs and how we serve kids is that, you know, you can say things over and over like hey this is an opportunity for you but here's the expectations and you can list them out and you can have conversation about them but this pledge is symbolic it's ceremonious right it's we take the time to sit down and and say it again and then have the kids in our programs read aloud you know what this pledge represents and then sign it and date it with a mm -hmm. witness because it needs to carry weight. It needs to be a ceremony so that hopefully when it may seem like a better decision to just not answer that phone or not tap in, as we like to say, or maybe even think about doing something else when you committed to a program that we run, mm -hmm. we hope that they lean on that pledge and say, you know what? I did make that commitment uh, and I do remember that moment and I don't want to let them down or I don't want to walk away from something that I've been given just because something else comes up. Mm -hmm. Right. And well, look, when you're young, when I was a kid, I don't know that I put a whole lot of weight on, you know, really standing behind what I said, right? Like do my actions speak so loudly that they can't hear what I'm saying is what a coach used to always tell me. Yeah. And you know, it resonates today more than ever, especially when you're working with young people, because, you know, you have the efforts of so many when you're fundraising or doing things and people entrust you with their resources, whether it's what they've given in, in you know, in, in gifts or in kind or, or real dollars, right? They yeah. want to know that that's being used wisely. And when we have young people who don't take advantage of what they've been given, it's not just a loss for them. It's a loss for some other kid that could have taken that opportunity. So again, that's the, the reason behind the pledge is to just really make it a point that, hey, you know what? When you say you're going to do something, 
it's really important that you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the turkey shoot and the lessons that you teach in the context of that event. Can you walk us through that? Sure. You know, look, first off, I like to say that, you know, if you're given something, you know, you, you may, you may have a great time. You may remember some of it, but when you have to work for something, it, it always serves a much bigger purpose. Right. And, and so we don't give kids anything other than an opportunity, right? Um, we ask them to put some skin in the game, a little sweat equity, a little bit of time and energy. So in what we do through the light foundation, um, young people for the most part have to put in effort. So there's an essay that we have them mm -hmm. write. We judge those essays. We then pick the top 16 in Ohio or the top 10 here in Rhode Island. And we give those kids an opportunity to participate in our youth turkey hunt. And, and then that topic could be like, what, what does, um, you know, what does conservation mean to you, right? It could be in the topic of the outdoors, right? And, uh, you know, a little bit more tangible to, you know, things like hunting, right? Or we could have a topic that says, who are the real leaders in your life? Who are mm -hmm. the people that you look up to, right? And then sometimes we hit topics that, you know, are a little bit more sensitive, right? Like, you know, hey, um, have you ever been impacted by bullying? And, and how do you deal with that? Or how do you help others deal with it if you have encountered it before? And, and, you know, and we get their thoughts on that. So, and then when they come into camp, it's not just about shooting a turkey. Um, they come in, first of all, they have to prove that they're proficient you know, and that they have to have their license. That takes a lot of time, a lot of commitment yeah. from young people to get a license, right? Mm -hmm. And to go through all those steps. And then they, they have to show us that, hey, they're they're safe. They're, they're a responsible uh, person with a firearm. Um, and so now they're earning that trust to be able to mm -hmm. go out and enjoy the great sport. And then while they're in camp, yes, we are turkey hunting. And the laws state that during the youth hunt, you can hunt all day, but we don't. We get them up early. <laughs> which is tough for some of these kids because yeah. they typically stay up late, you yeah. know, talking and getting to know each other. They come from, uh, you know, different backgrounds. They don't all know each other. In a lot of cases, they don't know yeah. more than one or two of the kids. And, and we stop it at noon so that we can then come back and do a number of team building exercises and, and have uh, mentors share with them some of the things that, you know, they learned. Right. So, you know, that's all part of this leadership mentality and imparting, mm -hmm. you know, some of the wisdom that, you know, people that they may have never had an opportunity to meet uh, influence them in a positive way and that they get to see it in real time. That's cool. That's cool. Well, let's so let's build on that, uh, the topic of leadership and talk, talk about an event that you have coming up on September 12th, I believe it is, right? The corporate leadership um corporate leadership or corporate training event. Tell me about that. And it benefits the Honored American Veterans Afield organization as well as the foundation. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. You know, we, we started the preparation for the corporate training day back in 2019. We had the hopes of running it in 2020, but as we all know, things didn't go according to plan right. at that point in time. Um, but look, it, it was born out of the idea that, um, first of all, we, we have the celebrity shootout uh, the, the following day on the 13th of September. Yep. And this will be the 18th year for that event. And as we were thinking about the corporate training day that back in 2019, the real uh, mindset behind that event was, hey, we can't add anything more to the shootout, but we have all these resources here. How can we add something else that's unique um, and different and fun and engaging? And and that's where it came from. But the overarching um or, or the, the big push to do the corporate training day came from my experience being around our special operations community. Mm -hmm. And there is a link between the military and football in general, but definitely the NFL. And it's not that, hey, we go to war just like they go to war, because that's absurd those guys and those women, those men, those those individuals who have sacrificed for their country, put it all on the line, are doing real things. We're playing a sport. But that right. said, the training is 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 not that far off. And the mindset is is similar in many ways. So there's always been a mutual respect. But since I retired, I've been able to 
do a lot more, you know, with folks from our military community, right? And and through that, I said, my goodness, these men operate in the most, you know, ridiculous situations, right? I mean, to yeah. put it nicely, I mean, they're they're in they're in situations that they cannot make a mistake because that means the guy next to them or they themselves don't go home. And so when it comes to critical thinking and when it comes to decision-making and when it comes to leadership and, and all the things that make great CEOs, great managers, great business owners, great human beings, right? These guys have an abundance and, and they, in many cases, have done it for a long time. And yeah. then you see what they do when they transition into, quotes, the real world. Mm-hmm. And you're even more impressed. So they've got all this knowledge to share and they really love sharing their knowledge of what they did, right? Whether it was their time in service or what they do, you know, with their own businesses. And I thought, man, let's put this all together where we can invite a whole bunch of, you know, executives and CEOs and people of that nature, right? To learn from the best of the best. These are your, you know, your SEALs and your Green Berets and your Army Rangers and your Delta Force members. I mean, these are the guys that protect this country, the most ultimate warriors. And, and, and these, you know, these participants in this event get to rub elbows and learn from and, and take part in that event. And at the end of the day, after we shoot a myriad of different ranges and disciplines and have a lot of fun from full auto to handguns and long range, Mm -hmm. we sit down to a great dinner and, we do a fireside chat where they get to hear some of the stories uh, of these these warriors and these soldiers, and and we kind of relate it to the business realm. And you know, I think everybody walks away, you know, feeling really good, you know, about not only the impact that they're making, you know, supporting that event, but the fact that you know we've got such incredible people serving mm-hmm. our country. So this is the first time you're going to do this. You you originally were going to do it. Um but the pandemic uh, stuff. So this is the first go around for the, the corporate challenge, not the corporate challenge, well, the corporate training event. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that we were able to get it in last year after okay. a year delay. And last year was uh, an incredible, I mean, just thinking back on it, I'm just so grateful for everybody. And for a first year event, there's a lot of people that are, you know, uh, anxiously awaiting, you know, the, the outcome, but I'm proud to say that the team, um, from Sig Sauer to the Light Foundation employees, everybody that was involved with that, you know, did a phenomenal job. And therefore, it was a huge success. We're looking forward to it again this year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be another great, great corporate training day. So we're talking here. We're recording on August 24th. Are there still spots open? And if people go to Matt Light 72, uh, they can get the information there. They can, yeah. On MattLight72.com, there's a pop-up that comes up, and there's information on both the corporate training day and the celebrity shootout the following mm-hmm. day. And I believe we have currently six six spots available out of the 50 for the corporate training day. And there is some availability for the shootout. It's a much, much larger event uh, with about 500 people participating. But uh, it, that is, uh, I won't go, I won't bore you all with the details on that. It's, um, it is a crazy, awesome day. I call it a carnival for adults. Yeah, yeah. Are there any celebrities of note that you want to name drop as a, a compelling reason beyond yourself, obviously? Um, hey, <laughs> which listen, people. I, 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 I love name dropping uh, from the standpoint that it highlights, you know, the guys that I played with, look, I, I, I'm a very fortunate person in general, um, but I got to play with some of the some of the greatest men that have played the game of football. And I'm very proud to have uh, had time around them and learn from them. Uh, but what they do in their own ways to serve their communities and give up their time and sacrifice, you know, their Friday or their Saturday, or in this case, a Monday or Tuesday is incredible. So Name dropping is awesome because it speaks to, you know, the caliber of individual they are. And, you know, a guy like Gronk, you know, just mm-hmm. just recently retired again. You know, he'll be at the corporate training day. And I'm, I'm extremely thankful awesome. for him and everything that he represents. I got Dante Scarnecchia coming by for both events. Mm. Um, he's, you know, a legend in the coaching community and yeah, yeah. the NFL. And, uh, you know, just proud to have him there. Um, you know, my former wingman, a guy like Logan Mankins and Dan Copen yeah, and guys yeah. that, you know, always sacrificed their time, the Russ Hochsteins, the, the Joe Andrews, mm-hmm. you know, these guys are, 
are just incredible individuals. So whether it's former teammates of mine, current guys in a team like David Andrews, yeah. um, guys from other, you know, sports teams, especially in the Boston area to support it, you know, Brad Marchand and, mm-hmm. and, and Kevin Miller, those guys, you know, are, are going in big to help us with this event as well. So a lot, a lot of good name dropping, but, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's really about being there and just, um, being present in in what it represents because there's so many awesome things to take advantage of in both those days so we we look forward to it every year that's cool well a couple of follow-ups on that uh, i think dante skarnecchia should be with the patriots because it, it sounds like that offensive line needs some help uh but i get that from news reports so i think he should be there and then tom brady did set a precedent he left training camp so maybe a day out uh from camp um maybe he's available uh and i say that jokingly uh, yeah, we I need know, to get that on his calendar. You're yeah, right. you do need to get into calendar. It seems like he has a lot more. Um, he's got some more um, some liberties uh, down there. Well, in Tampa a, he Bay. is a, he is an old man. I he mean, is. I mean, let's you know, like yeah, come on. I mean, Gramps Gramps needs a day off every now and then. Uh, something tells me that Gramps can turn around another Super Bowl title uh, in his sleep. And then there's Drew Brees, <laughs> who's not in the game now. I may have some free time too. And I know you played with Drew. I might sneak in a question at the very end here about those two because it looks like they're going to share a second career together uh, if Tom goes through on his plans as announced earlier in the summer. Um, and just a note on the, the celebrity shootout, uh, you started that in 04 and, and at least from the website, it seems you've raised $8 million for the foundation. So congratulations to you on that. And it sounds like a hugely um, successful event. I want to go back to just a little bit to talk uh, more about what you're doing with youth. Uh, each year you host 18 kids from at-risk communities. And I think my research earlier in the year said, um, pointed me in the direction that maybe you had some kids from Brockton this year. Uh, 18 kids from at-risk communities for an eight-day leadership camp. But beyond the eight days, your teams play a role with these kids' lives 365 days a year. Tell, me, t- tell us about the camp and what you're doing with these kids. And, and did you have kids from Brockton this year? We did. Yeah, we do. We do. We have four incredible young men from the Brockton community. And uh, this was their first year jumping on a plane, traveling to the the middle of nowhere. You know, like when they throw the dart and it hits the map and it literally says nowhere. That's that's where we're located. Um, and so this this program in particular, it's called Camp Vahoakus. And Vahoakus is a northern Cheyenne word that means mm-hmm. light. And so it's basically camp light. And okay. what's great about this camp is it's the first camp that we developed for the Light Foundation. Um, it's near and dear to my heart for that reason and many others. But we've been doing this for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. This, this particular camp. And these young men signed that pledge to be in this camp for four years. It is 365. You know, we wrap support around them in their own cities, respectively, right? We have kids right now from the Passamaquoddy tribe up in Maine. We -hmm. have young men from Brockton. We have a class that just graduated from Washington, D.C., and we have a group from Ohio. There's always four different, you know, regions represented Mm -hmm. by this camp and, and the different classes that make it up. And it's really Again, look, we have a list of criteria. Here's the, 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 the kid that we want. Here's the young man. He's in the eighth grade right now, getting ready to transition to his freshman year. He comes to our camp the summer before he kicks off high school, which we think is a critical time in, in, a, in a young man's development, right? And as they're growing and, and the decision process that they go through, right? Having mm-hmm. been one, have, yep. you were one, right? Sure, <laughs> I mean, absolutely, yeah. It's a good transition period. So, um, and, you know, it's all about community service, career educational tours, being real, responsible, ethical, accountable leaders. And we introduced them to some amazing people. And the time in camp reinforces everything that the program is about. But it really is, you know, throughout this journey of four years and taking the quarterly visits to visit them in their own hometowns and holding them accountable and checking in with them and providing resources and, and just watching that growth. And by the mm-hmm. time they graduate, you know, it's a very, very special time. And, you know, the, the young men that have come from camp, you know, I've got a, I got a young man that graduated over a decade ago from Camp Vahoakas, and he's come back the last two summers, three summers, has served as one of our counselors. And, you know, just to see 
through his eyes, how he views the camp now and, and the things that it's done for him and so many others, you know, yeah. that's, that's the real reward, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was a camp counselor. I went to camp. It was an unbelievable experience. And, um, you know, just, and I did it during high school and started one before high school, but I felt like I was ready for college just to be away on my own because of that experience and having responsibility for a cabin of 15, eight year olds at some point. Um, and it does help build leadership. So I, I think um, I know exactly what you're saying um, from that perspective. Let's jump into um, uh, go a little bit deeper into your background as a sportsman and a hunter, because uh, as with this podcast, I, I'd like to go beyond the headlines or the controversy. Um, and it's a, a revolving conversation about guns in America. Uh, but you're a sportsman, you're a hunter. I'm, I'm guessing you, know, uh, you were raised to be a responsible owner of firearms. Uh, and there needs to be responsibility um, as a gun owner. Uh, what are the life skills that come with being a sportsman um, or a lifelong hunter? What do we need to know, particularly those who don't own guns like myself, as I mentioned? Sure. Yeah. Listen, I, and I love these kind of questions. I, I look, I think uh, the, the only things that are controversial in this world are the things that just don't make any sense. Right. And, and those are easy to see. Now, there's some people that stand up for things that don't make sense. And, uh, you know, the, you know, that that's the uncle that, you know, you always tell your kids like, all right, don't don't engage with Uncle Johnny. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to say something crazy. But overwhelmingly, I feel as though you know, a lot of things that are viewed as controversial become very basic when people have real conversations about them. Because at the end of the day, when I'm confused or whenever I, you know, maybe have a strong feeling towards something that I'm not real knowledgeable on, as I go out and seek that knowledge and talk to people that are knowledgeable, it becomes far less intimidating or scary or controversial, right? So, you know, to back up a little bit, I grew up in a household where the outdoors was the only way of life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't take vacations and, you know, go to a beach or do whatever else. Our vacations were things like pre-1800 encampments, you know, rendezvous, uh, hunting trips up north during deer season. And we did it with, you know, my uncles and, and, and cousins and family members. And we did it with friends of the family. And it, it also centered around an amazing respect for the outdoors through mm-hmm. conservation efforts. You know, my, my great grandfather created an area called Wayne lakes back in Ohio, took over an area that was, you know, kind of strip clean. It was a, a gravel pit started by American aggregates. It's actually kind of what paved this country came mm-hmm. from material right there. And he, turned it into this unbelievable wildlife refuge and with homes that are now there and lakes that, you know, took the place of big holes in the ground. And, and, you know, I had, you know, my grandfather was in the outdoor writers association. So it's not hunting the way some people view hunting, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it starts with, Hey, here's a resource that we here in the United States, um, can take advantage of in amazing ways, but only if we protect it. Mm -hmm. That's why Teddy Roosevelt created the national park system, right? And something that really changed the the landscape of this country, kept the landscape of this country, right? That there were people who really understood the importance of the outdoors and the role that it plays in society and within individuals. And it's also a place of comfort for me if i want to be centered and in my best form Mm -hmm. i get out into nature and it doesn't need to be hunting it could be a hike yeah and so many people understand it from that perspective but i always like to say that as a as an outdoorsman as a hunter i'm really just watching nature for 90 percent of my time in the field and Mm -hmm. so the other side of it is is that i come from a long line of of eaters, right? People that love to take advantage of the resource that comes with an opportunity to harvest a wild animal. And that is, you know, incredible food source that isn't modified by man, but is natural and healthy and really good for you. And so for all those reasons, you know, I'm in love with the sport of the outdoors and hunting and fishing and what it represents and the lifestyle that it affords. Mm-hmm. Do you fly fish? 
I do. You know, not enough. I mean, in the Midwest, um, it's not as big as if you're in the the West or the Northeast or in mm-hmm. other parts of the country, but I do enjoy it. Um, I'm more of a bait caster, spinning rod. Let's let's yeah. rip the water up as fast as we can and have have some fun. Hmm, hmm. I went fly fishing once up in Pittsburgh, New Hampshire, almost by the uh, Canadian border, and it was yeah, great. I didn't light. even have a yeah, I didn't even have a fly on because I was just learning how to cast and getting in that river um, up to your waist. There was something very very peaceful about it. Um, I I, I want to do it more. I don't know why I haven't. Um, well, listen, and that, and, that, and that gives me an opportunity to name drop Dan Lyons, who has the Bear Tree Inn and all the Bear Tree properties up there in Pittsburgh. So if you want to fly fish, yeah. go see that guy's place because it's perfect for doing that. What a great area. Cool. All right. Well, I will look into that. Uh, so let's get to the idea. You're, 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 a, um, you're a highly successful athlete. And, and look, I wanted to point out here and my son plays offensive line. He just went off to practice. He's got his first two a days tomorrow. He's an offensive lineman himself. Uh, but you only had 14 holding penalties in your entire career. Is that right? <laughs> oh man. If, if Bill Belichick heard you say that he, he may blow a gasket. No, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish I knew. I mean, that may be right. I mean, I think I, it, I don't know where I got it from, but I, I did get into my research. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, look, I wasn't a guy that held a lot, um, you know, not not to the point where they would call it anyway. Right. There's always some form of sure. hoarding. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to say that I was a fairly disciplined, disciplined player. My, my coaches may disagree with that in some areas, but overall, you know, look, you know, you I don't hold the fortunes of the team in my hands like a running back or a wide receiver or quarterback, right? You know, these guys that touch the ball all the time, but the reality is in sports, anything that you do that takes away from the gains of, of your team is, is really, really bad. Right. I mean, it's, it's not something that you want to be known for. And so, you know, I think when you make it to the league, you know, you have to realize how big every moment is. And I, I worked hard, you know, like everyone else mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, I represented, you know, myself and the organization and didn't detract from what other guys worked really hard for, including myself. Right. I mean, you know, it's not like you not not every call is the right call, but in most cases they probably are, especially when it comes to holding. Uh, yeah. The one that got me probably more in trouble were the false starts. Right. Oh, yeah, you know, you yeah, jump yeah. and nobody yeah, likes sure. that. Well, you're out on the edge there, and I can't remember who the guy would be. You, you know, you would go against at that time. Um, what's the guy who, who works on GMA now? Good morning, Mary. Uh, Strahan. Is it Strahan? Michael Strahan. Sure, yeah, right. Yeah, you got the Strahans of the world. You got yeah. the OCU Manures. You, you know, you got the Dwight Freenies and the Mathises. I mean, all these guys that were really good. They're running forward. You're going backwards. And when you can't yeah. hear, jumping is is can be easy to do, but you try not to. Sure. Sure. Well, look, I mean, you, you played left tackle, you protect, you protected Tom Brady's backside. And if you don't keep him upright, he's not the quarterback he is. And maybe, you know, they don't win all those Super Bowl titles. So you, you can undervalue, you can be humble and say, I didn't touch the ball every time, but I think we know the significance of it. And it sounds like a hall of fame career to me um, at left tackle. And, and I can't tell you how many left tackles are in the hall of fame, obviously not as many, as a quarterbacks, but we'll, we'll push beyond that. Um, so you're an athlete, you're a former athlete, you have a platform, you're doing good things. Um, you're, you're talking about leadership. You're talking about sportsmanship. Um, do you feel it's part of your role or is it part of what you want to do to educate people about the importance of hunt, hunting and then the responsibilities that come with being a hunter, whether it's the proper way to use a firearm or to treat an animal um, is, is that, did you view that as a core to what you're trying to do? You know, I think I look for opportunities to, you know, share things that I've learned, um, because a number one, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of original thoughts, right? Somebody else has been there, done it, you know, probably done it better than I'll ever be able to do it right in many ways. Um, but I think that, you know, we are a shared collective of, of awesomeness and, and, and there's things that we can learn every day from the people that we're around. And I want to be a part of that transfer of knowledge, regardless of what it is or, or who I'm working with. And so, you know, I think I also come from a, a, a bunch of educators, right? My mom taught music for 35 years. 
in the mm-hmm. public school system. Mm-hmm. My father's taught at universities and he is a, a wealth of knowledge in, in about every area that I can think of music, yeah, yeah. writing, you know, manufacturing, I mean, you name it. And so, and he's always working with people to share that knowledge. So I think I get it honestly. And I think that, you know, I thrive in it because it, it reminds me of the little things, you know, when I'm working with kids and I'm working with, and it's not just kids, right. And in, in the process of working with young people through the outdoors um, and through the, the work that we do at the Light Foundation, timber framing camps and, mm-hmm. and leadership camps and things of that nature, right. I'm also getting to interact with some people that are the best at what they do, right. In their respective fields. And so it's a little bit selfish, you know, in some ways, because I get, to have that refresher course, or I get to remind myself, you know, it's like going to church, you know, you may hear the same story over and over again, but you know, the 50th time you've heard it, you really needed to hear it again. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's lessons in life that come with those things. And through the outdoors, you know, again, something that seemingly could be uh, a, a, a topic of conversation that could lead to you know, maybe some, some people that don't really understand it, or it's, it's intimidating, it's whatever. Typically by the time, by the end of the conversation, it makes a lot of sense to people. You know, um, if you hear the, the kids that have come through our camps that have never hunted, you know, Mm -hmm. had never shot a gun and they talk about the things that they learned and, and, and it is an awesome responsibility, but it's one that you, you know, you can't make mistakes on. And so it's good for young people to realize that and and work through it and earn that right to go out and do the things like hunting because it does teach mm-hmm. some incredible lessons and and not to pick one community but you if you're taking you're bringing kids from urban settings who maybe their only perspective as it relates to firearms is in the neighborhood in a bad situation they come to your camp they learn about being a sportsman they learn about hunting uh, are there common themes that you hear from these kids or they're common? Um, and I don't know how to phrase this. Do you see a metamorphosis in thinking of these kids before and after they come to your camp? Uh, yeah, not, not all the time, but there's definitely been many situations that would fall into that category. And I, and I would first say that, you know, look, everything we do, the mindset that we try to instill is that, you don't have to like everything we do, but we do want you to try at least once everything. It's like, you know, when you're sitting at the table and your kids are like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to eat that. It's like, well, you don't even know what it tastes like. Oh, I don't like the way it looks. I mean, well, that's not the point. You know, you got to try everything, right? Sure. You got to taste it yeah. once. And then if you don't like it, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll think about letting you off the hook, right? Now with these kids we work with, especially with things that can be intimidating, right? You know, we're, we're playing paintball at times. And, and mm-hmm. I've had many kids that have said that playing paintball, is something that really broke me out of my shell. I never thought I could ever do that. And when I did that, I, I don't not only had fun, but I got over my fear of getting hit by a paintball, right? And yeah. something that simple can change a kid's trajectory. I mean, it yeah. sounds a little bit ludicrous for those of us that, you know, would would jump at any opportunity to go play paintball and don't think twice about it. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of kids that that's an impactful moment. And so when it comes to firearms, hey, look, if it's if it's really intimidating for you, okay, let's just have you watch, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love for you to give it a try. And we start out with a 22. It's like shooting a pellet gun, right? And then we'll work our way up and we'll do other things. And, you know, and and typically we see kids, I mean, I say this to adults, the smell of gunpowder and something that goes boom. And then if you're shooting skeet or you're hitting a target, something, you know, explodes or you hear the ring of steel, it's mm-hmm. just awesome. It's hard not. It's like trying to frown when you're on a jet ski. That's not possible. You know, <laughs> you have a smile on your face, right? Right, so right. That's part of the understanding and the and the the journey that we see kids go through. Because to your point, in some situations, a gun only means one thing. It means you know death, or it means the loss of a loved one, or a friend, or someone else. And and that's the unfortunate side to what people do to other people and and it is evil but just because somebody turns something evil doesn't mean everything about that's evil you know and that's the that's the mindset that i think that we need to have a conversation about which is much harder than just villainizing someone anybody can villainize uh, you know something or someone Mm -hmm. but the reality is much 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 different because you know look 
I would much rather have someone who, if a firearm was laying on the ground and there's a, I use this example quite a bit, and there's a baby going towards it, which happens, unfortunately. People don't mm -hmm. take care of their, their firearms and young people that don't have a clue are in close proximity to that. I would, I would rather have somebody that isn't fearing that firearm, but has knowledge and can go safely put that away. Now, yeah. what's the odds that's going to happen? Probably slim to none, probably never mm -hmm. for most people. But if it did, I would rather use knowledge and a respect for any, anything like that than to treat it with fear and, and the possibility that, you know, that could become something very dangerous, right. In a situation like that. So, you know, that, that's my viewpoints on it. It's not for everyone. Of, of course, mm -hmm. it's not for everyone. Not everyone loves golf, but you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with trying something new and getting a deeper understanding of it. And then I always encourage people go out and meet some of these folks, go to a, a local gun range and talk to these people and share your, you know, your, your fears or, or, you know, your thought process on it and, and, and make an attempt to better understand it through their eyes. And I think you'll learn a lot. Yeah. That is one of the reasons why I, I, I have that firearm identification card application. Um, I don't, uh, and I, and I did, I did take a class and, um, it was an interesting class. It was an interesting guy, um, for sure. But one of the things he said was he wouldn't as a, as a, a um, he, he teaches people how to use guns. He obviously does these classes, but he said he won't take on a student who doesn't have, hasn't already gotten through the certification. Like he won't teach someone to shoot who doesn't have the license or I'm assuming you have to have the license, but it has taken the, the class you have to get uh, because he wants to know that that person is put in the effort and has some understanding um, about it before he takes them on because people come from, you know, all deep, all shapes and sizes. So I, I give that up to him. Um, let's go just, we'll close this out here with a couple of um, last questions. I, I asked you about the, the, the holding penalties. Um, as a, as a, as a sportsman, and then I have one I have Brady breeze classman as, as a sportsman, as a lifelong hunter, um, and you mentioned you went, you've been hunting from the very, very beginning. Do you, do you have a take on, uh, the, the legislation that has been passed or just the, the general debate about, um, uh, about guns in America, uh, anything you last wanted to share on that or particularly about that legislation that was passed? Well, listen, there, there's always legislation being passed. It's either the state level or the federal level. Right. And there's things that, you know, occur and then, and then, you know, somebody else gets in and then it, 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 it gets taken away. Right. Or it doesn't get renewed or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of it's in in good faith. Most of it at this point is pure politics, right? right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and 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 that's unfortunate, but that will always be the case. I mean, you know, <laughs> what what is the uh, what is the saying? And and I'm not a I'm not a Shakespearean kind of guy, right? Or I'm not a a learned man when it comes to quoting some of these old sayings from the past, but to human, it is human to err or something like the that. It's like we're human. flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We are flawed people. We're flawed individuals. And therefore you're going to have things like this, but you know, I think um, the politics aside, right. There are, there is no difference. Right. And I, and I hope people can look this up for themselves. And again, drinking a Kool-Aid needs to stop in this country real knowledge, the seek and the quest for that should be where we all are because it's so ridiculously simple to find the truth these days, right? I mean, it's amazing how much resource there is out there. And, and by the way, this debate goes back hundreds, if not thousands of years when it comes mm -hmm. to weapons of any kind, right? But the truth is this, in the, in the, in the, in the wrong hands, really bad things happen. So we gotta hold people accountable, mental health in this country, has been uh well there's been zero funding for it number one they've done that intentionally and and you can see it they, they had a chance to 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 fund mental health they chose not to time and time and time and time and time and time and time again look in your own backyards look look into your own communities and see where the money's going to help with mental health and it's non-existent um right. so so it's no wonder and by the way, we don't hold anyone accountable any, anymore. You know, um, the, the DAs, right? The, the judges, the system, 
has has failed everyone in this country, and especially talk to the people that have loved ones that are that have been victimized by you know violence, and they'll tell you the justice system is in really bad shape. So that's where I would, you know, I would I would love for everyone to you know start looking in those areas first versus blaming a an object, right? And so. You know, it, it, there is um, there is no difference in how firearms operate. They're all the same. But for some reason, ARs are getting all the attention that that that's a simple one for people to figure out for themselves. Right. They literally there hasn't been a major advancement in the action. Right. The engineering behind which a firearm is operated. And so when you're saying AR, it, it, you're you're speaking to basically every weapon out there. Whether it holds ten or twenty or thirty isn't isn't the case, right? It, it, mm-hmm. That's not the conversation. You know, weapons of mass destruction. People want to equate that to a firearm that is out there for general consumption. Uh, people don't get an opportunity to just go out and buy weapons of mass destruction, right? That's not something that can happen in this country. Never has been, right? So, you know, again, I always say knowledge is power. Go out there, really research it for yourself, and put yourself. In a, in a position where you can actually learn from people that actually use these things and, and you'll get a much better perspective. I'm not saying that you're going to agree with everything because mm-hmm. that doesn't happen either. Um, and, and it's okay to feel as though, you know, Hey, firearms aren't for me. That's a personal decision. But for so many of us, you know, when I think of a firearm, I think of the times with my family and my friends and the different hunts that we've been on and target shooting and, and it's a sport, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like anything else. I get to compete at it. I have so much fun. You know, I have such a respect for, you know, the the heritage and the and the the history that gets passed down by guns that have been in my family and the men that have used them and the women that have used them. And so that that's where my heart is as I as I think about these things. And while that's very foreign for many, um, I and I respect you know that part of the conversation that it's not for everyone. I also just say you know, you got to learn how to respect the other side of the equation too. And that's where we can have great conversation if we can do that. Yep. Well, th- I mean, that's why I do this podcast is I want to have those conversations. Uh, it's particularly about issues that I don't necessarily have first person experience or understand. And if you've listened to my podcast, for those who've listened, we, I've talked about transgender athletes. I just don't understand. I don't know enough about it. So I wanted to have a conversation about it. So I get a better frame of reference. And um, the same with you. Last question, and it is sort of a football-related question. Uh, you played with Brady. You played with Breeze. Uh, they're both, you know, our broadcasters or would-be broadcasters. Who's going to be the better broadcaster, Brady or Breeze? Well, I mean, Breeze has got the jump on him, right? You know, so he's got Brady's going to have some ground to make up. Um, and you know, I, I think I think Breeze is maybe more suited for it. You know, he's you know, he's, he, he just, he, he represents himself in a way that's more in line with people that I know um, that are in the broadcasting booth or, or that have been, you know, in that industry for quite some time. So I could see Breeze, you know, maybe winning that one. Right. Mm-hmm, I mean, let, mm-hmm. let's give Tommy the rings. Okay. So he's got more <laughs> rings, yeah. you know, um, but they both share just a ridiculous number of records. They both represented, you know, themselves, them, their families, the National Football League with the utmost, you know, dignity and respect and just the way that they've carried themselves, the impact they've had on the game. It's not even really measurable. I mean, and for so many people that they've influenced, right? You know, there's so mm-hmm. many young athletes that are growing up in their shadows and and that that's that's so, so cool. And so I've got a great deal of respect for both of them. I mean, you can be the worst left tackle in the history of football, but as long as your only two quarterbacks leaving high school were Breeze and Brady, you're going to probably do okay, right? So, Well, you, um, you had a hand in that. I mean, don't discount your role. I mean, if we want to put you in the Hall of Fame, you, gotta, you're, you were the man that kept him standing. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I, I definitely shined a few of uh, Brady's Uggs and, you know, <laughs> what was a recipient of a lot of breeze passes back in the day in terms of the winning side. But man, I I loved every minute of it. Those two. um, And I got to say, you know, breeze, um, you know, being, being right here and getting a front row seat for Brady, you know, I had to watch breeze from afar and 
you know, that that's a guy that never changed. You know, you, you, you see the impact that certain things happen, you know, or certain things that, that happen to certain individuals and players and people of fame. Um, but there's a very few that didn't change their core value system. He's one of them. And I got to tell you, and, and, and Tommy, I, I look, I'm, I'm not discounting Tommy by any stretch, but see, I had the front row seat for Tommy, you know, mm-hmm. during the, the heyday of the, the really lengthy portion you know, of his playing career, right? I got yep. to watch Breeze from afar and see the amazing work that he did and the amazing work that he does off the field, which I have a ton of respect for. You know, I don't remember plays, you know, necessarily. I remember some of the fights and some of the crazy moments and, of course, some of the championships, but I don't forget a second of what happens in the real world, working with kids and making an impact and being a part of that team. And I know Breeze is the same way. And and through his foundation, we partnered on things. And we had kids from New Orleans that graduated from our camp, Vahokas. And, okay. man, I've just been very thankful for, you know, the relationships like that with dynamic people like them and the way that they live their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I, it was exciting to learn about what all that you're doing with youth, uh, with corporate leaders uh, across the board uh, in your, your post-playing career. So thank you for spending time with us today. Matt, I really do appreciate it. And again, for more information on the corporate training, the celebrity shootout, or all that Matt does, go to mattlight72.com. Matt, thanks again for your time. Skip, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, I appreciate it. All right, and as before we turn off here, a very quick mention of uh, Suffolk University. At Suffolk University, Sawyer Business School, you're steps away from life-changing internships, career connections, and Fortune 500 companies. Our classroom experiences are enhanced by our location. Being in the center of downtown Boston means you'll be right in the middle of the city's financial center and the center of innovation. Sawyer Business School offers undergraduate and graduate business programs. Choose from full-time, part-time, online, Saturday, and summer courses. Enjoy small classes taught by professors who bring their expertise and experience to the classroom from right here in Boston, across the country, and around the world. Endless program and degree options are all here waiting for you. Take the next step today. Visit Suffolk.edu. Well, that's it for uh, the summer. That's our final episode uh, of the summer here at the Amplification Avenue podcast. Uh, The next episode will come after the start of the fall semester. So it might be a little bit of a break here. My hope is that we will have some very big news to announce uh, when I next return regarding all that's going on at Suffolk University. So stay tuned for that. And thank you to you, our listeners, for taking in another episode of the Sawyer Business School Amplification Avenue podcast presented by Suffolk University. Please look for future episodes on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe, rate, and share. As always, I look forward to talking to you and with you again in the near future.